الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين ما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحان الذي اسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام الى المسجد الاقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من اياتنا انه هو السميع البصير صدق الله العلي العظيم My dear respected and most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. This week, much like other weeks, has been a tough week for, for Muslims worldwide. There's always some sort of controversy surrounding Muslims. There's always something uh, that inevitably is making life tougher for Muslims. But it's not something that we're not used to. From the advent of Islam, from the life of the Prophet ﷺ, from the nubuva of the Prophet ﷺ, from when the Prophet ﷺ started proclaiming his prophethood, till today we've always had these issues inflicting us. The issue recently was the decision by the US President Donald Trump to move the US Embassy in Israel to uh, Jerusalem, <coughs> occupied Jerusalem, Jerusalem uh, where the millions of Palestinians reside and regard as uh, their, their honor and regard as their privilege because Jerusalem is a privilege, it is an honor to reside there, it is an honor to be a part of it. It's perhaps the only city in the world that is considered historically and spiritually significant to Jews, to Christians, to Muslims alike. In Islam, the city of Jerusalem, in the Arabic, the Arabic word for the city of Jerusalem is Al-Quds, or Al-Bayt Al-Maqdis, the noble, the sacred place. So a sanctity in Islam is such that each and every Muslim knows of its significance. Each and every Muslim is aware of its significance and the importance of the city. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to members of other faiths. I often, I remember once talking to um, a Christian brother who was asking me about the reason why Muslims regard Jerusalem as so sacred because they, th they said, oh well, you know, the, we understand for, for Christianity is sacred. You know, Judaism was born in, 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 uh, in Jerusalem, where Musa salam was sent to Jerusalem. This is a city that is sacred for Christians and Jews. But why you, Muslims, you, you have the land of Arabia, you have Mecca, you have Medina, where the Prophet wasallam is buried. You have those... Uh, landmarks why do you need a third and I was he was surprised when I informed him that whatever is sacred to you is also sacred to us Musa alayhi salam 
is a prophet of Allah. Musa salam is an individual whom we hold in high regard. The same goes for Isa salam. When I informed him of why it was significant, not only because of the events that took place in the lifetime of the Prophet and thereafter, but prior to Islam, everything that took place is sacred to us also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the, uh, uh, the fleeing of the Bani Israel from the Fir'aun, the saving of the Bani Israel from the Pharaoh. With, with Musa alayhi salam, Allah azza wa jal talks about that in the Quran, the same as Isa alayhi salam. So it's extremely uh, sacred to, uh, to Muslims as well as Jews and Christians. And I informed that individual that it should be remembered that Judaism, Christianity and Islam, they all spring from a common source. And that common source is what? Monotheism. Believe that there is only one God, the one God alone. And all three religions share a reverence for many of the same prophets. If Judaism regards Dawood and Suleiman and Musa to be sacred and their lives to be sacred and regards them to be great men, then Islam regards them to be even greater. The teaching of the oneness of Allah, monotheism, is something that you will find in each and every prophet going back to Adam salam. And this is the same for Muslims. When he asked me specifically with regards to why in Islam, what happened in the advent or with the coming of the Prophet wasallam in the lifetime of the Prophet wasallam why Jerusalem is so sacred and why we find so many Muslims residing in that land that we know as Palestine, as Palestine. And I said it goes back to a time before the Hijrah of the Prophet wasallam when the Prophet wasallam took the night journey of the Al-Isra wal Mi'raj. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Quran that this is one of the many times that Jerusalem has been referred to in the Quran. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi laylam min al-mashil al-harami ila al-mashil al-aqsa alladhi barakna hu lahu linuriyahu min ayatina innahu huwa al-samiyu al-basir. Glory be to him who took his servant by night from Masjid al-Haram in Mecca to Masjid al-Aqsa, the furthest mosque. Masjid al-Aqsa means the furthest mosque. Alladhi barakna hu lahu whose surroundings we have blessed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing us in this verse of the Quran, to the furthest mosque the Prophet wasallam was taken, whose surroundings we have blessed and we have exalted. Why? To show him some of our signs. And among the signs, the Mufassireen, the commentators of the Quran state that among the signs that the Prophet ﷺ was to be shown, not only on the night of Mi'raj, where the Prophet ﷺ visited the seven heavens, but some of their signs include the Isra also, the night journey that took place from Mecca to Jerusalem. And those signs include the previous Prophets, the 140,000 previous Prophets, 124,000 previous Prophets. All of those Prophets 
are included in this. The Prophet ﷺ led them in prayer. Where? In Masjid Al-Aqsa. This is why it's significant to Muslims. And this is just one of the reasons. And this is not the only time where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the exalted surroundings of uh, the Masjid Al-Aqsa of Jerusalem itself. When uh, the verses that talk about Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, when وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ وَلُوتًا إِلَى الْأَرْضِ الَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهِ لِلْعَالَمِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, when the fire was made cool for Ibrahim and they planned against Ibrahim, but we made them the greater losers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we saved him and his nephew. His nephew is Lut alayhi salatu wasalam. We saved him and Lut and directed them to a land which we have blessed, Alameen, for all of the nations. And this land was Jerusalem. What about the sayings of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam with regards to Jerusalem, Masjid al-Aqsa? has been mentioned on more than a few occasions by the Prophet and its importance was further emphasized by the sayings of the Prophet I'm just going to quote just a few ahadith to you. The first is with regards to the three places to which it's desirable to undertake a journey for the purpose of salah. <laughs> Sayyidina Abu Huraira is quoted as saying that Allah's Messenger said that set out deliberately on a journey only to three mosques. This mosque of mine in Medina, the sacred mosque in Mecca, and Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. This is a hadith which has been agreed upon by both Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim in their respective books. The virtues of praying in Masjid al-Aqsa have been exalted even further. Sayyidina Abu Darda is quoted as saying that the, the Messenger of Allah said, that a prayer in the sacred mosque in Makkah is worth 100,000 prayers. Praying in Bayt al-Haram, in Masjid al-Haram in Makkah is worth 100,000 prayers. A prayer in my mosque, in Masjid al-Nabawi in Medina, is worth 1,000 prayers. And a prayer in Jerusalem is worth 500 prayers more than any other mosque. This is Bayt al-Maqdis in Jerusalem, in Masjid al-Aqsa. In, t- in terms of its historical significance to Islam, the Prophet ﷺ was asked about the first mosque that was built upon this earth. And the Prophet ﷺ, in a hadith reported by Sayyidina Abu, Abu Dhar, he said, I asked the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, which was the first mosque to be built upon this earth? And the Prophet ﷺ said, the sacred mosque in Mecca. The Kaaba in Mecca was the first mosque to be built in Islam. And then he said, Abu, Abu Dhar said, that I asked the Prophet wasallam, and then which one? After the house of Allah in Mecca. And the Prophet wasallam said, Masjid al-Aqsa. Masjid al-Aqsa was the second mosque to be built in Islam. And I say in Islam, Islam didn't start with the advent of the Prophet wasallam. When we talk of Islam establishing the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it began with Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. And the second mosque that was built was Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. And then he said, I further asked the Prophet wasallam that what was the time span between the two? 
i.e. what was the time span between the construction of the two mosques and the Prophet said 40 years. 40 years after the first mosque was built in Mecca, in, in Masjid al-Haram, the second mosque was built in Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. Not only that, when we took, look at the when we return back to the lifetime of the Prophet the first qibla for the Muslims was what? It was Jerusalem. Masjid al-Aqsa was the first qibla, the direction in which the Muslims faced while praying their salah. The centrality, the historical and cultural significance of Masjid al-Aqsa is further emphasized by the fact that for a long period of time, not for just a short period of time, not for just a few prayers or a few weeks or a few months. This was practiced until seven, 16 or 17, there's two riwayat, 16 or 17 months after the hijrah of the Prophet to Medina, the Muslims used to face towards the direction of Masjid al-Aqsa. After which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them to return back or return the, the direction of their Qibla back to Masjid al-Haram in Mecca. And that story is beautiful in and of itself. Uh, it's reported in the second uh, chapter of the Qur'an in Surah Al-Baqarah and in the second juz of the Qur'an. It begins with the story of the turning of the Qibla back. And again, it emphasizes the attachment of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ always maintained that desire and that will for the Qibla to be returned to Mecca. And this is emphasized in the verse of the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We saw you raise your head. We saw you raise your, your blessed face towards the heavens. And we shall surely change the Qibla to the one that you so desire. We shall change it. And which was that? Desirable Qibla for the Prophet Haram. So go and turn back towards the direction of Masjid al-Haram in Mecca. So it's extremely significant. Masjid al-Aqsa. Many non-Muslims don't know or are unaware of the significance that Islam places on the city of Jerusalem and Masjid al-Aqsa in, in, in great detail, they have absolutely no idea of this. And, in, and most of the Muslims are unaware of the fact. Most, of, most Muslims are unaware of why Masjid al-Aqsa is so important. They know of the Isra, the Prophet wasallam go, going to, to Masjid al-Aqsa and leading all of the pro previous Prophets in prayer. They know of that, but beyond that, they have absolutely no idea. When we talk about the, the resting place, for some of the Anbiya, the land of Palestine has in it some of the most noblest souls that have ever tread upon this earth. So many of the Anbiya are buried in Masjid al-Aqsa, including the likes of Ibrahim salam, Ya'qub salam, his son Ishaq salam. And according to some of the commentators of the Quran, over a hundred Anbiya are buried in Bayt al-Maqdis in Jerusalem. Not only that, but some of the closest companions to the Prophet are also buried in Masjid al-Aqsa. And these include the graves of Sayyidina Abada ibn, ibn Samit, Sayyidina Shaddad ibn Awth, Thabit al-Ansari, Tamim al-Dari. Ridwan Allahi alayhim ajma'in. May Allah be pleased with all of them. 
These, these important companions are also buried there. The merits of performing Hajj and Umrah from Masjid Al-Aqsa, Sayyidina Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha, she narrates that she heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa saying that who, whomsoever begins or starts his Umrah or Hajj from Masjid Al-Aqsa has all his wrong actions forgiven. All his previous wrong actions will be forgiven, both past, both past and future. This is the significance of Masjid al-Aqsa and it's important for you to know that. During the lifetime of the Prophet Jerusalem wasn't under Muslim control. Jerusalem wasn't under Muslim control. It's in 637 when the Muslim armies in the time of Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab began to appear in the vicinity of Jerusalem. And at that time, in Jerusalem, the, the patriarch, Sophronius, he was a representative of the Byzantine government. And he was in control of Jerusalem. And he was a Christian. He was a Christian leader. And under the command of Sayyidina Khalid ibn Walid and Sayyidina Amr ibn As, the Muslims began to surround the, the, the city. And it's reported in Tariq al-Tabari that the Christian leader of Jerusalem at the time, Sophronius, he refused to surrender until Sayyidina Umar, the Amir al-Mu'meen of the time, came to Jerusalem himself. He said, I will refuse to surrender. And because they had surrounded the city, no bloodshed had taken place. Sophronius asked for Umar ibn, Umar ibn Khattab to come to Jerusalem. And it's reported by Imam al-Tabari that Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab and he left as soon as he heard, as soon as he received the letter in Medina, Sayyidina Umar left and he left with just one servant and himself. They left to uh, travel to Jerusalem alone. And it's reported that there was a donkey with him. That's it for, for, uh, as travel companions. And Sayyidina Umar, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he's greeted by Sophronius who was undoubtedly amazed by the humility and the humbleness of this man. He doesn't come in, he doesn't come like a conquering general at the head of, of, of the army, as a leader of the army, sitting upon the highest horse, you know, with his sword and sheath. No, he just comes with his one servant and a donkey with him, uh, and they travel to Jerusalem. And that's how they received and they greeted there. That impressed Sophronius so much that He's relinquishing control of Jerusalem to Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab But before he does so, he says to Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab, let me take you on a tour of the city. This is your first visit here. So he takes Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab on a tour of the city, including the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And this is, this is a, a, a significant, um, this, this church holds significant importance in Christianity. And when the time of prayer, when the time of Salah came, the Christian leader Sophronius says to Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab, it'd be an honor for us if you would come inside the church and pray your Salah. Sayyidina Amr ibn Khattab refused to do so. Not because he didn't want to pray in the church, not because he didn't hold the desire to pray in the church, not because he had no intention or the salah wouldn't have been accepted if he prayed in the church. Sayyidina Umar said, if I was to pray in this church, this church would become a, a mosque for the Muslims. 
It would become a masjid for the Muslims. And I fear that one of your landmarks would be taken away from you. And Sidna Umar prayed outside or adjacent to the church in a mosque that still exists today, Masjid Umar. This was the wisdom of the companions of the Prophet The treaty of Umar was drawn up then. And in that treaty, it was such a progressive treaty that people had never seen such or never viewed such magnanimity before. Sidna Umar spoke about the rights of the civilians, whether they be Christians or Jews or even Muslims. During that time, I'll give you an example of how progressive that treaty was in comparison just 23 years before Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab conquered Jerusalem. Jerusalem was conquered by the Persians from the Byzantines. And when it was conquered, a general massacre was ordered. And this still exists in the books of history today. A general massacre, every single, almost every single male individual in the city of Jerusalem was killed. Once Sidna Amr conquered Jerusalem, not a single life was shed. Again, this took place after the Muslims had regained control of the city of Jerusalem when the Crusaders entered the city in 1099. And then a general massacre was ordered then also where many hundreds of thousands of Muslims were killed. Before Salahuddin al-Ayyubi regained the, the city of Jerusalem back again. Again showing the wisdom of the companions of the Prophet wasallam, doing it without bloodshed, trying to bring people together. If you look at the history of Islam and the Muslims in Jerusalem, You'll find a history of peace. You'll find a history where the Muslims never wanted to throw anybody out, those individuals who were born there. Where the Muslims didn't religiously persecute those individuals who were non-Muslims in the city. No. Religious freedom dates back to the time of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab in Jerusalem. Nearly 14 1350 years ago, Sayyidina Amr al Khattab gave religious freedoms to the different religions and the different adherents of the different faiths that existed in Jerusalem. This is the history of Jerusalem to us. This is why Jerusalem is extremely important to us. And this is something that you must know about when you hear that this political event is taking place. In your lifetime, when Jerusalem is being made, or the vision for Jerusalem is for it to be turned into the capital or the eternal capital of Judaism, this is unacceptable for every single Muslim. That this is a land in which the Palestinians were born in. This is the land which, according to the international law, it belongs to those Palestinians that live there. This is a land that's not only important to them, not only does it have religious, historical and cultural significance to them, this is a land that they've been thrown out of. 
Don't think that just because you live thousands of miles away, it doesn't impact you. Another Prophet wasallam said, a Muslim is one who feels the pain of another Muslim. A Muslim is a mirror of another Muslim. A Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. So don't just ignore it and pay no heed, no attention to it. Do whatever you can, whatever is in your power. Demonstrate. Write to your local MPs that what is going on is absolutely unjustified. Do whatever you can so on Yom Al-Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not ask you and I, what did you do when the Palestinians were being thrown out of their lands? What did you do when the city of Jerusalem is thrown out or the Muslims are thrown out of the city of Jerusalem, which is at the moment is looking inevitable. That this is something that's going to happen. Already there's such a divide there. For those of you who haven't visited, go and visit the city of Jerusalem. Go and see the Palestinians. Go and meet with the Palestinian brothers and sisters. Talk to them. Uplift their spirits. That's your job and your duty. Just because you live a thousand miles away, a couple of thousand miles away, don't think that you know, this, this is uh, an incident which shouldn't affect you. It should affect you. It must affect you. Know your history. Know your history. Know how important and significant this land is. And it's important for you to do that. Uh, I, I humbly request each and every individual to do whatever you can. Um, this news, this last week, although it was brewing for some time, where, again, I'll reiterate for those of you who don't know, that the President of the United States, Donald Trump, has decided that the US Embassy in Israel is going to be moved to what he referred to as the eternal capital of Judaism in Jerusalem. And the idea is that other countries will then follow and the city of Jerusalem will then become the capital of, of Israel. And all, already a marginalized community are the Palestinians. Already a marginalized group are the Palestinians. They will be pushed further and further away until inevitably Masjid al-Aqsa will be destroyed, the third most holiest site or landmark in Islam. And then me and you will then shed tears, and then it will be too late. So it's important for us to demonstrate as much as we can now, write to your local MPs, attend demonstrations, stand up for those Palestinians. Make your voices heard. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them respite. I sincerely pray uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran, the blessed sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa akhirat da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.